Well, good morning, everyone. Um, today's Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, before we read, let's pray together again. Uh, dear God, uh, we want to thank you for this time that we have, that we can read your word and be challenged by it. And Lord, as the word is read, uh, may we be attentive to it and live changed lives for your sake. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security and sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, and love and for a helmet the <coughs> hope of salvation for god has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing this is the word of the lord thanks be to god Okay, a very good morning to everyone, and thank you, Alan, for reading from God's Word this morning. Um, last time out, uh, which seems like years ago, but it was in March, um, I, uh, I started a mini-series on what a spiritually healthy church should look like. We looked at Titus chapter 2, and we looked at how a healthy church should be multi-generational. It should be uh, relational. We should be uh, setting the gospel example um, to both ourselves in the church by relating to each other and also showing an example to the world through how we, um, how we conduct ourselves in our own employment. So what I'm going to do this morning is go on to the second of these, uh, this short mini-series and look at uh, a healthy church and how it should be based on two words, encouraging and building up. Well, it's actually three words, but two, two verbs, two doing words. So our text is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's, it's one of the earliest letters in the New Testament. Paul wrote this um, very, very early on in his ministry. And we're going to look this morning at um, what it means to encourage and to build up. So what we'll do, we'll start at, chat, at uh, verse 11, then work back uh, to verses 1 to 10. So be before we look at um, verses 1 to 10, let's look at what the, the words encourage and build one, one another up actually mean. Because when we understand what they mean, then we can understand how we can do that, we can pragmatically do that as Christians 
in the local body of Christ at TGCC. Um, we all have examples in life, don't we, of where we've appreciated and valued encouragement. And encouragement is good, even from a worldly perspective. I remember it's hard to believe, and I don't expect to see anyone smiling here. I can see some faces. I used to run half marathons, and that's the truth. And uh, this was going back a long time, in my 20s and 30s. Um, Actually, in Newcastle, where I'm from, we had a, the largest half marathon in the world, the Great North Run. And it used to start in Newcastle, and it used to end up in a place called South Shields. And so 13 miles. And I used to really value all the people lined up along the way, shouting encouragement, shouting, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, just, just persevere, keep going. And, um, you know, it was really valuable. And I guess we, we, we all have examples where we've appreciated that from, uh, from people. We also have things like career coaches and counsellors and, and mentors and things like that. Um, but what I want to sort of put to you this morning is that what Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica this morning is a little bit more than someone offering short or medium term inputs into someone's life to deal with a specific situation that they may be faced. Those people who line the streets on the way to South Shields on the Great North Run, I've probably never seen them again since. And if I have, certainly not knowingly. So they were there for a short term with a short term aim to get me over this hurdle. And believe me, it was a hurdle running 13 miles. But then they disappeared out of my life. What I want to put to you this morning is that actually encouragement and building up is more than just that short or medium term, good words, good, good rhetoric to get us over the line. It's something more than that. Nothing wrong with those things, but Paul is saying a bit more. The, the, the word encouragement in the Greek in verse 11, so chapter 5, verse 11, is it actually means literally to call one alongside, to summon, to call for action. It's used in other parts of the New Testament to exhort or to even comfort. And it, it has um, a very, very specific relational focus on it. So rather than shouting from the touchlines, Come on, Mark, keep going. They didn't even know my name. Just keep on going. They could have been shouting to anyone. It's very much relational. The word means to get alongside. And along with the, the word there, or the, the verb there, to build up. In the Greek, it has a specific rendering, which means that it is ongoing. So it's not just for a particular short-term situation that someone may be facing although that is still important to deal with in the church. The, the word actually implies in the Greek that this is something that should be ongoing. It should be a permanent focus and a permanent fixture in your local church. Um, it, it's continuous and ongoing. The, the encouragement that Paul is urging the Thessalonians and by association, because we are members of the church, us today, is to be active, relational, and pragmatic. 
to be alongside and to call out. Um, it's really important that we do that. We see that in, 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 um, in verse 11 there. It, it's, it's very much to, to encourage one another. It's not just one person's job in the church. It's not the pastor's job, although it is, but it's not just his job. Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up. It's talking about being close and, and knowing each other and being alongside each other. Notice there at the end of verse 11 as well, just as you are doing. The church in Thessalonica was actually a good, active church. Some of Paul's letters we see in Corinthians are written to churches that were, were sometimes way out on some of their doctrine. Actually, the church in Thessalonica is doing pretty well. And yet Paul says, keep on going, keep doing it, keep encouraging, keep building up. So with that in mind, that the, the word to build up means to construct. So with encouragement comes building up. I, I don't think it's coincidental that the two are put together. Encouragement leads to building up. If encouragement is done well, and it is done biblically and is based on biblical principles, which we will now look at, actually people will be built up. People will be constructed. They will be, they will grow. They will grow in their homes and in their sanctification. So what we see in the first 10 verses in chapter five actually is, is Paul telling the church in Thessalonica, what your encouragement and building up should be based on. And I think it's really useful at the moment, especially, I mean, with all that's going on in the world, with, with, with the coronavirus and the, the wars and the, the political unrest that's going on in the world, to, to take a step back and say, are we as a church sure about the basis for our encouragement? Are we sure about the basis on which we should be building each other up? Because if it were based on feelings, I wonder, and it's a rhetorical question, but I wonder how many of us at the minute feel like building each other up. However, how many of us actually feel there is something worthwhile at the minute to build each other up in? If we look externally at the world, when we go to Coles and everyone's wearing face masks and we, the, the coronavirus is just so, it's so on top of everything that's going on. So what Paul's telling the Thessalonians here is, and the word therefore in verse 11 is really important because it's basically saying on the basis of what precedes that, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So let's go back and have a, have a look at what, um, Paul says. Firstly, though, in chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, we, we do see Paul reminding them, and this is also appropriate to, to think through, um, of the assurance they have in the future return of Christ. So chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians looks at, if you like, the salvation side. Chapter 5 looks at judgment. So Paul reminds, um, and I'm just getting this, now, Paul reminds the Thessalonians in chapter 4, in verse 17, then we are who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, um, and we will always be with the Lord. 
verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. So there's in chapter four, encourage one another with the words that we will one day be with the Lord. And then here we go into chapter five. Just bear with me. Verse one. Now, this, this is the very basis on which we should encourage and build one another up. This is what we should be united in as a body of Christ. This should be what causes us, what motivates us in our Christian lives relationally with each other. So verse one there, and now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So the Thessalonians, it is absolutely implicit there in the text that you should know, you should know that Christ will come again. There is a lot of different theologies around this, and we're not going to go into those this morning about what that actually means um, in terms of literal actions in the world. But one thing that we do take from this text, you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come. My first challenge is, are we confident in that? Or are we more confident in the end of the six-week lockdown will come? What are we, where is our assurance? If it's in the end of the six-week lockdown, it's very short-termism. But if it's in the return of Christ, we should be encouraged. Everything is leading to the return of Christ. Now, um, Paul, Paul talks there about, in verse 2, the day of the Lord. Now, this is a really, really important expression that's used in the Bible. The day of the Lord um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it, it talks about a particular point in human history where God will dramatically, dramatically intervene in human history in some form of judgment. Okay, so in the Old Testament, one example of that was when the prophet Jeremiah talked about the day of the Lord and then the uh, being worked out in the exile to Babylon in judgment because of the Israelites, what they were doing. We see here that the day of the Lord to the church in Thessalonica has not come yet. So it's talking about a future event. There is some time in the future where the Lord is going to, there is no doubt about it, will come, is a very much a, there is no doubt about this, will come like a thief in the night, but it will come. And it will be God's dramatic intervention into human history to bring his judgment. And judgment is a big feature of uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. So we understand that the day of the Lord is coming and that it will be a dramatic intervention by the Lord. They are to be fully aware of it. Now, notice there as we, go, as we go through this text, these are all things that if we put into practice in our Christian life will help us to encourage and build up. Verse three, while people are saying there is peace and security, there is sudden destruction and it will come upon them 
as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But note verse four, but you are not in darkness. You are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So whatever is going on in this world now, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, protests, whether it's wars, whether it's political upheaval, whether it's viruses, whatever it is, um, we are not in darkness because we know that at some point in the future, God will intervene dramatically to bring about his judgment on all of the things that are contrary to his righteousness and his holiness. So it tells us there um, in verse 4, for that day to surprise you. The, the Greek word there has a, has a meaning of being dragged down and being overtaken by it. What, what it's saying is don't be overtaken by what's going on in the world. Don't be overtaken by it. It's so tempting. And, and I must confess, I, I do it also. We look around and we think, Where, what is the hope in this world? What is the hope? And if we have that mindset, how can we help and build others up in their faith? How can we do that if we ourselves are being dragged down to the logic and the rationale of the world? Don't be overtaken by the world. Because if you are overtaken by the world, you will be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Don't, don't do that. We are to keep each other accountable. And that's one of the first points, as I think that Paul is telling us here in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. Keep each other sharp. Keep each other accountable for where your focus and your mindset is. Talk to each other. It's great to talk about, you know, wh where can I get, you know, muesli at the minute or who's selling out of this or how can I do this, that, the other. That, 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 nothing wrong with those conversations, but are we, are we talking to each other about, you know, how are you doing in your spiritual life? How are you interacting with the Bible? How are you readying yourself for the day of the Lord? How are you growing in holiness? Now, that's not a message we always want to hear from each other. But the Bible is not full of messages that will necessarily be what we want to hear, more what we need to hear. And I would encourage us all no pun intended use of the word, but yes, I would encourage us all to be, on, to be focused on the day of the Lord. Not to be so super spiritual that we, we don't address issues at a practical level, but what's behind all of this is whatever's going on, whatever help people need, the day of the Lord is coming. So then we go through, uh, for we are children of light. Now notice throughout the text here, it's, it's the basis for our encouraging and building each other up is not what we've done. It's always what the Lord has done for us. That is so important. If it were what we would do, we're doing. How eloquent we are with our words of motivational speaking to each other. Come on, just keep your chin up. It's all, you know, the, the stiff upper lip British thing. If it were just that, we would all be failures. We would encourage no one. But note, 
It's what God has done for us that is our source of encouragement. And in that, when that encourages us, it encourages others as well. So encouraging each other, building each other up is not just what we say, it's how we live our lives. How do we know that? Well, we go back to 1 Thessalonians 3. And if you have um, the capacity to get back there, you will see that, um, that Paul himself, when Timothy comes back from the, from the Thessalonian church, Paul himself says, um, but now that Timothy, this is verse 6, has come to us and brought us the good news of your faith and love. Um, verse 7, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction. So what Paul is saying is in all that's going on in Paul's life, we, are, we have been comforted comforted about you through your faith the same word there comforted encouragement exhorting it's the same it's the same word so so it's not just about what we say to each other in motivational speaking you know it's more than that it's how are we living our lives people see our faith exhibited for how we go about living as a christian that is as important because Paul himself says, in our affliction, this comforted us, this encouraged us, this built us up. You know, and, and therefore it's not, and very clearly here, it's not just about leaders of a church encouraging the congregation. It's actually the congregation encouraging the leaders of the church as well. That's what it means to build one another up. Okay, so no one has an excuse not to encourage or to build up. We can all play our part in doing that. Now, we know, we know from, from Romans 12, um, you know, that there, there is, there is a, a spiritual gift of encouragement that is given to people. And I, I have heard this, uh, I have heard this actually preached really badly many many years ago that it's not everyone who has the gift of encouragement almost saying well if you don't have this gift of encouragement you have an excuse not to encourage well that's not how it works unfortunately um someone who has the gift of encouragement it is their their gifting to the church it is something that the leaders of the church would use in an, in an almost ministry sort of way, they would be more, they would be dealing with encouragement at a much bigger level, maybe getting more into hard discussions and counseling. And that's, that's what the spiritual gift of encouragement is. No, we, we don't all have the spiritual gift of encouragement, but we all have the responsibility to encourage and build up. And we, we, we can't hide behind. Um, the classic, uh, it's not my gifting. Be because actually, it's your responsibility. Um, okay, so moving on. Um, we see there then uh, in verse 6, so let us not sleep as others do, but keep awake and be sober. Now, Again, how easy is it to be so focused on what's going on in our lives that we become complacent and we become 
very much, you know, almost get into isolation mode. Yes, we, we some of us are in isolation in a worldly perspective, but that's not how the church operates. The church needs people to be relational. It's no good the finger saying to the elbow or what, whatever, what good have I with you? Actually, we, need, we, we are a body. We, we can't operate in isolation. And one of the things we can do to encourage each other and to build each other up is to check. And I, I, I'm not necessarily saying you should say this in these words, but hey, uh, are you asleep? Are you just boasting? Are you, are you, are you aware of, of your spiritual needs? And are, are, you, are you praying? Are you, you know, are you, are you fighting the good fight? Okay, so let's check in on each other. Let's keep us, let's keep each other accountable because that encourages and that builds up. Then note verse eight, uh, since we belong to the day. So, so it's an assurance that this is massively encouraging for us. We belong to the day. We sing that song, we belong to the day. You know, we, 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 if we are in Christ by his work, by his work of election and salvation for us, if we are in Christ, we are in the day. And that day is coming where God will come in and dramatically intervene in this world, ushering in the return of Christ and, there, and thereby bringing in the new creation where we will be in the new creation where there will be no more pain, no more death, no more crying. What a wonderful world that is. And, and we're told, uh, Paul tells us in one of his other letters, remember where your citizenship is. It, at the minute, it feels like our citizenship is so tied to this world. Our emotions are so tied to this world. And I understand that. But take a step back and say, but yeah, we, we have a citizenship that is in heaven. One day heaven will come back down to earth on the day of the Lord. And God will reclaim this world. He's still in absolute sovereign control. Don't mistake what I'm saying here. But he will have this world under his rule. Under his rule. What a wonderful word of encouragement. And if we, if we speak to each other with that assurance, with that conviction in our own lives, we can encourage and build, us, build uh, each other up. Then note there, it, it, it's, it's, it's still implying, this goes back to Ephesians, which, which I've preached on, on this previously, um, about the, the armour of God. But, but note there, again, what, what a fantastic word of encouragement. God has not destined us for wrath. God has not, that, that's not God's purpose. Whatever is going on in the world now is not, our, not the end game. This is a short time of, of trial and tribulation in order to build us up, to testing our, our faith in order that we can build each other up to be the body of Christ, to be a witness in the world. God has not destined us for that day of wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it brings us back to our encouragement as a church 
and to each other is that we are saved not by our own work, but by the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Okay, so whether, you know, whether on the day of the Lord we are, we are resting or whether we are alive when Jesus literally returns, we might live with him. The key word that I want to focus on is we might live with him. This world is going somewhere and it's going to culminate in the day of the Lord. So what does this pragmatically mean then? What, what, does, what, does, what does all this mean? It sounds great. Oh, you know, I, I, I don't think it means that we, our only conversations are, hey, you know, so-and-so, uh, just build yourself up because you are saved. And that's massively important. But I think it has pragmatic, pragmatic ways in which we can, we can do this. Let me just give a few thoughts in closing. Uh, we must be on the front foot to encourage and build up. Yes, we respond to need. but And that's what the world does. And it does it really well at times. My need when I was running that race was just to get across the finishing line. Yes, people will come in for short-term spurts of encouragement. And yeah, but, but we, we need to exhort and call each other at all times. That's what the Greek word in chapter 5 verse 11 in all times all of the time be encouraging and calling people to holy living and verse 12 on towards the end of the chapter uh, which we haven't got time to look at this morning gives some examples of how we can do that so i would encourage you after the service after the catechism to go and read the rest of the chapter because it's a really good way of encouraging Remind ourselves and each other of the gospel of what holiness is. We are to be aiming for holiness, for sanctification. Um, we have been saved to be holy. Oh, well, that sounds very super spiritual. Well, it's biblical. But what does holiness look like? When we're having those moments of feeling really despondent, what does holiness look like? in ourselves and also to encourage others. We need to be relational and to be, to be uh, caring and to be passionate about our purpose. What we say in 1 Thessalonians, we, if you read the whole book, you see Paul's passion for the faith of the Thessalonians coming out, which encourages him and he encourages them to be passionate. The language used is very passionate, very convictional. Are we passionate about our purpose? Are we passionate about the day of the Lord and building ourselves up in readiness for that? To put aside how we feel. If we encourage everyone on the basis of how we feel, how many of us would encourage? But it's, it's the same as love. We're not called to love on the basis of how we feel. Love is a doing word. We're called to love in action. And the same here, we're called to encourage and to build one another up in action. Not to wait till we feel encouraged to then encourage. Actually, what's really interesting is that when we encourage others, we are forced to encourage ourselves because we are forced to go back to the truth of the gospel to do that. 
to put aside how we feel, to be sacrificial, as we looked at, and I'm drawn to a close now in the, in the, in the last uh, talk I did on Titus 2. Um, uh, our worship to God, how we, how we worship God is sacrificial. We might have to encourage and build up people who we might find difficult, but to persevere with that, build each other up, irrespective of how we feel, how irritating, or how much we really like someone, that if they're our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to do it. And to be real, um, and I'll close with this point, where we have need, allow others to encourage and build us up. And that's really, really important. We are to allow others to serve us. So if we're feeling really, really down, go to someone and say, I need some, I need, I need, I need some encouragement. I need some help. And that allows others to serve us. And in doing so, we both get the benefit of going back to what the text tells us about who we are, what we can look forward to, what our salvation is and what our salvation means we avoid, ultimately the wrath of God. So I, I pray as we, we all continue to, to persevere through the, these times that we will be a church who relationally encourages and builds up in order that we can look forward with confidence, with absolute confidence to the day of the Lord and the return of Christ, where all things will come under his sovereign, absolute rule in the perfect new creation. Let me pray. Almighty God, we thank you for who you are. You are sovereign God. You are the God who, in, who encourages us through your word and enables us to pray to you. Help us to be to be livers of your word, to be doers of your word. Help us to be relational with each other. Help us to uh, seek to proactively encourage and build up, to, to exhort people to holiness, to exhort people to good living, and, and in turn to, to erect a church for your glory that um, one day you will return to, to bring to be with yourself. Thank you. And thank you for all that you've said to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.